The second Bible reading for tonight will be from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 7 and 17 to 20. And on the Pew Bibles that is found on page 1085. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place that he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here in the reading. Once again, it's a joy for us to be with you as the African Enterprise uh, family. And uh, while it's a sad moment for your, you as a congregation, we join you in prayers and that even as a congregation, friends and family, uh, to our brother who's gone ahead of us, that you may be encouraged. I begin from where we've just read. Of course, we also have the earlier background from the book of Jeremiah, where he's crying out and saying, the harvest time is past, and yet we are not yet saved. Quite an intriguing verse. Though, of course, in its context, it's speaking of Israel, but uh, we can also apply it in our times as to the various seasons. It's a season of harvest, I mean, since Jesus is coming. It's a time we lead people into God's kingdom, who've been sent as a church. And yet we see, looking throughout history, that there are times when people in a certain section of the planet or the earth where people are really coming to Christ in huge numbers. And we thank God and rejoice and we are called on to maximize on those moments. And of course, he promises to go with us. And like we've seen with his disciples, whom I call the nameless, they were just picked out of the multitudes that followed Jesus. And no wonder they were so amazed when they came back and they said, Lord, you know what? Even evil spirits were fleeing as we spoke in your name. And Jesus says, well, do not rejoice that demons are fleeing 
Because you know that looks sensational, it's exciting. But he says, rejoice that your names are written in the book that is in heaven. He brings them back to the very basic thing. It's having a relationship with God. Because of course we know many who come saying, we preached in your name, cast out demons in your name, and you say, depart, I do not know you. But you know, in chapter 9, uh, verse 58, the Bible tells us about another encounter, a small encounter between Jesus and one of the apostles, John. That was the sending of the twelve. It tells us when the twelve came back, because they followed Jesus, they lived with Jesus, and then at some point he began having trained them, sending them out, that they may go and announce the kingdom of God. And they come back, and John says to the master, Lord, you know, when you send us out, we found a man. He was casting out demons in your name. And I imagine Jesus posing and saying, okay. And then, and then John says in verse 58, we told him, no, verse 49, we told him to stop because he was not one of us. I mean, he did not belong to the inner circle. He wasn't one of those who are, in quotes, ordained or mandated by you to carry this message. And of course, Jesus rebukes him for doing that. I give you that background so that you can see Jesus uh, uh, within that context is mobilizing a team. In fact, if you read towards the end of chapter 9, you say to one, come, follow me. And one says, let me go and say goodbye, or rather bury my father, which traditionally would have meant wait until my father passes away, then I follow to proclaim the kingdom. But Jesus says, no, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, he's putting an emphasis as to the task that is at hand. Of course, someone else says, I'll follow you, and he concludes, his motive is not right. He says, birds have holes, uh, nests, hoofs have their uh, holes to hide, but the Son of Man has no place. Kind of chopping off to get those who are really committed. And out of those, he gets the 70 or 72. And the Bible tells us he sends these people two by two. I want you to imagine, like the way we are here, if I was to ask, what's your profession? Uh, someone there might say, I'm a student. Someone there, an engineer. Someone else could be a farmer. I hope you farm, you're in a city. Okay. Could be a farmer in Jesus' day. Could be a fisherman. You know, could be a house, a housewife. I mean, I'm at home, and hopefully it's not like, the African housewife who you say, do you work? She says, no. And what do you do? I wake up at 4 a.m., boil water for my husband, for my children, make the meal, uh, keep on, go for firewood, and then at, she goes on up to 10 p.m. And do you work? She says, no, I don't work. <laughs> because of the definition of work. These people are different professions. They were not those who stayed with him. And moved with him. They were called for this particular assignment. And that's what I see in an African enterprise mission. 
where we go into a town, into a city, and we talking with the pastors, because we begin with the church leaders in a, in a training forum, talking about this city, this Melbourne. What can we do to reach out to Melbourne? What should we do so that everybody in Melbourne gets a chance to hear the gospel presented to them in a manner that befits them, gives them a good chance to make a decision about Jesus? And ones who've jumped over that hurdle, it's not always easy. Uh, one pastor might say, you know what, I think that church broke away from my church. And so I don't think we should cooperate. Another church, you say, you know what? That church is so evangelistic. I think they'll be fishing from my boat. Instead of throwing the net into the sea, they'll be throwing it into my boat. And so they'll be protecting that turf. And that's a hurdle that we've got to overcome until they say, yes, we'll labor together, we'll work together to win our city for Jesus. And then we begin training people. We call them missionaries. We don't use the word evangelist at that point because many who say, no, I'm not an evangelist or I'm not a preacher. So we say missionaries. We say, can you take a break from your work? Having agreed with the pastors, it's in July. Like one of the missions I'll be telling you more about. I hope I get this right. That's forward or reverse. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. So, those are decision cards. That's what we call the day's harvest. That's the day's labor. In other words, people went out from morning witnessing and sharing Christ. And that's kind of the proceeds of the day. People that said yes to Jesus on that particular day. Those are decision cards, and some of you here, I'm aware you pray for us out of a mission in Eldoret, where we were in July, which is interesting where Jonathan lived when he was a young boy, and we took him back to school in a school uniform 50 years much later. It was exciting as we led boys and girls in his former school to Jesus. It was an exciting day. Uh, so that's, that's the harvest of the day. So it's people who are not full-time preachers. We say, take a break from your work. Take an off. Some of them will be business people and they will say, for ten days I'll commit myself to be with you, with you guys, so that we can reach out to my city. Some will be young people. Some will be old people. Some will be men who will say, you know what? Church is for women. By the way, if you look at the dynamics, even here now, you may find majority are women. But we say to the man, you come alongside. You've never shared Jesus, just come alongside. You learn, you learn. And through that learning, even if you are there with your base and you say, <clears throat> yes, <clears throat> yes, I'm agreeing. You may not share much, but your presence as a man also gives, says, yes, the gospel is not for women or for children, it's for all of us. By the way, in one mission that we did, an elder of one of the churches, he went with us in the door to door. And you know, he wasn't born again, but he was an elder. 
And he was leading us, going sharing Christ. And what a joy it was. Later on when we came back, he said, you know, as you led that man in the prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my heart from this day. I make a commitment to follow you. He said, I also prayed that prayer and I became a believer today. (laughs) That excites me. I mean, this man had lived in the church all of his life, risen to a point of being an elder. And he had no relationship with Jesus. He was doing all the works in the church. A lay reader and an elder. Now, I mentioned lay reader. I've betrayed. If you know which, where lay readers, the term is used. Okay. I'm glad not many of you seem to know where that term is used. Okay. So, Jesus says the harvest is plenty. The workers are few. Pray. Point number one, that the Lord may send out laborers into his harvest field. It begins with prayer. And that's why we really do appreciate you. Those of you, like today, will be asking you to sign up our call for prayer. Because without prayer, we are helpless. Without prayer, like you read ahead, he says, I'm sending you like sheep among hoofs. When I was a small boy, I was a shepherd. I had my bow and arrows and would take our sheep and goats into the bush. And while I knew if a lion came, I will run for my dear life. <laughs> but you know, I was there acting as a man to protect our sheep and goats and cows from any evil, bad animal out there. We are sent into a field, and when you look at Africa today, I have no time to tell you, including in my own country, Kenya, the church where I go to, on Sunday as you go in, we frisk you with a metal detector. You know, it's as if you are getting into the airport, because there are guys, terrorists, whose mission is to send you to heaven before before you are ready to go to heaven. Hopefully, we would be ready. But it gets that tough in some of the places. Or places where you are preaching and they are Muslims. And they are waiting, gauging any wrong word that you may mention and they are up in arms. And that's where we've got to do what Paul says, preach Jesus and Jesus only. Because when you begin touching on Islam, of course there are times for debates. But when you're preaching, you only preach Jesus and Jesus only. So Jesus says, pray, prayer. And there's the phrase I always use among, in our missions, is that evangelism without prayer is like a dynamite without a detonator. Prayer detonates the mission. Like John Wesley said, in prayer we win the battle. Going out to do the rest is harvesting, is bringing in the harvest. I cannot overemphasize prayer. And Jesus says, pray that the Lord may send out the laborers. I've mentioned about being sent like lambs among hoofs. But one time I was preaching in Egypt. And in this particular place... We had soldiers at the door, policemen, and they were there listening to, know, to hear, what are you saying? Are you speaking against Islam? So the training 
before this particular operation, mission was do not mention that Islam or Muhammad just preached Jesus. But then a Muslim man walked in. He had his daughter. She was demon possessed. We only learned much later for seven years. She was demon possessed. I mean, she was all rough looking but covered with that uh, hijab. And he said, he said, I've been to witch doctors, I've been to hospitals, and he said, I've given up on my girl. And then he said, two days ago, I was at the mosque, and the imam said, who've given up on your child, go and try Isa. Go and try the Christian God, Jesus, Isa. He may help you, because we've given up, we are helpless. And so they came, of course, you're thinking, is it a setup? Am I being set up? There are policemen at the door. There are these guys converting one of them as a criminal offense. You go in. But as we prayed and we trusted God, kind of putting our lives on the line. And I will not tell you the whole story, but finally, this girl was set free. I mean, there were all some very interesting things which I may not mention now. Uh, but finally, she was free. And the dad looked and said, this is my girl again. Then he could see the calmness, the peace back on her. And he said, how much do I pay you? And that's when he began describing all what he has been doing, seeking for healing for her. And what a joy it was when the girl gave her life to Christ and himself as well. And they went back to their estate where they lived. They came back for the afternoon service with witchcraft. That they were carrying, we put it in a drum, set it ablaze, and what a joy. And it was a joy to see the policemen outside were also smiling. They were happy. The girl is free, is in peace, and is joyful once again. He sends us out as sheep among hooves. Do not carry a purse or a bag. Now he's saying this to what I would call lay people. Like I said earlier, he's building a team of lay people. And he's teaching them on trust, how to trust him. You know, many of us do not go possibly on a mission trip. And I'm speaking from my context in Africa. Because they say, I do not have the money to go. And Jesus here says, go at this point without any money. That's what he's saying to them. He's teaching them to rely on him. Now, if you tell Reverend Chris or the church you're going on a mission, and you pack up and begin going without any money, I think we'll call for the psychiatrist or something to check on you. But Jesus was teaching them on trust in me. And brothers and sisters, I'm speaking of 70 people here. But when I speak of Eodoret, I'm speaking of 601 people that made their way to that town. Some of them raising the money to come was tough. But they still committed themselves to come. Some were sponsored by their churches, but a majority sent themselves. Which reminds me, when I was a new believer, or rather early in my life, and I was at the university, and we were invited to go and preach in one of the cities, and I prayed for money, 
and money did not come. Fasted. Money did not come. The day came. The school is waiting for me to go and preach. So that day, after having prayed, I went to the bus stop. Now, I would have said to my dad and mom, and it's, I should not give all the details, give me the money. But God was teaching me at that point and saying, learn how to rely on me. Because your parents will not pay you away wherever I will be sending you. So I came to the bus stop and I prayed and no money came. I began looking down, you know, in Kenya we have a saying, you can look down and you get a miracle of money or you get into the bus and the bus conductor forgets to ask you for the money. You say that's a miracle, but we say no, that's not a miracle, you should have paid. (laughs) But I looked for a miracle. Finally I heard God saying, step into the vehicle by faith. A good definition of faith, not careless faith, though faith, okay, I'll not go into that, but faith, faith in God. So I got into the bus, went to the back, and sat. If it's today, I think I would have gone to the front, but I went to the back and sat. The bus conductor came. He said, young man, where is your fear? I began thinking, I began trying to speak, and began stammering, losing words. Finally, I thought. Good idea. My mom had made for me something like this, which hopefully I will have time to tell you about that this garment that I'm wearing. So he had, she had made one top and bottom. Looked good. I lifted it up, said, please sell this and let me go. I'm going to preach. He looked at it, threw it back, said, young man, bring money. Now, those days in Kenya, public transport was so rough that they would at times push people out through the window. There has been cases where people have been thrown out for not paying their fare. But some gentlemen behind me, who were drunkards, and how did I know they were drunkards? I mean, they were drunk, it was filthy smelling, they were behind me talking. I heard them shouting to the conductor. They said, leave the young boy. You heard, he said he's going to preach. And they removed money. They said, we are paying for the boy. Let him go and preach. In my heart, I said, oh my God, (laughs) that's a narrow escape. Praise the Lord. And I got to that school, preached, and left the following day. Again, I did not ask for money from the bus conductor. And I had to walk until darkness fell. I mean, from around 11 a.m. up to around 7 p.m. When it got dark on the road as I was finding my way back to the city. God was teaching me something. You may, you may, you, you may wonder what lesson did you learn? But let me tie that story to another story. When we married with my wife and I was the missions mobilizer for Kenya, I was going to another city and we needed enough money for both of us to go. Often I would go alone, but then that time we said, but we got married, and we felt in some of the meetings we'll be going together, like coming to Australia, and Pastor Reverend Chris is pushing for my son and daughter to come. Praise the Lord one day. Uh, and so I began praying for the money, because my wife was saying, they could only give you your fare alone. Don't they believe that I can also preach alongside with you? But I prayed that evening. I went into a church in the, in the neighborhood and pleaded with God. Lord, provide some money so that I and my wife, we can go together for this mission. 
And I felt faith, I mean the confidence, the assurance. I came back to the house, told my wife, darling, we'll go together. She said, no, it can't happen, you only have your fear. In the morning I woke her up, encouraged her as the husband, please, please, believe, believe, God will provide. And we stood at the door around 7 a.m. to pray so that we can go to the bus stop. Then we had a knock. We said, who is this coming this alley? We opened the door. A lady who lived down the road, she put her head in. She had an envelope. She said, you know, I fear I must bring this envelope this morning. So we thought it's a letter. I mean, we said, thank you very much. We are going on a preaching assignment. Thank you for coming. God bless you. We prayed, then began walking to the road. On the way, we opened to read the letter Inside the letter, there was the money that we needed for my wife's fare going and coming back. That built my faith. And I can say that provision had something to do with that long journey that I've tried to describe for you. There are times when the Lord will challenge us. You may be a youth group in this church. You are thinking of a major undertaking. A mission trip to Africa, for example. And you're not seeing the finances. Take heart. Take heart. Believe in God. Pray. And, and, and do all that you can do. Whether it's washing cars or anything that you can do. And as you do that, God will multiply what you have. And you find yourself achieving God's mission. The Lord sends all of us as a church. Why does the task tarry? The task of world evangelism often tarries because evangelism is left for specialists. Evangelism is left for a few. Witnessing and sharing the love of Christ gets left to the ministers or to those who are called full time. But Jesus is calling on all of us to engage. Jesus is calling on all of us to be part of pulling in this harvest. I grew up where we had harvests. During the harvest time, you'd call neighbors. Say, come, it's harvest time. Because the birds would be flying over. They seem to know where the harvest is. I don't know whether in Australia the birds know. But in Africa they know. They swarm. And so you have to work hard within a limited time to pull in the harvest. And you'd call neighbors and team up and Pull all those grains out of the farm. And the Lord ascend us as His church. Though from different nationalities or continents, but it's one church. We are one kingdom. We are one body. And if the harvest is ripe on one part, we should say, let's labor in that field so that we can pull it in. I'm out of time, but I want to finish with this again verse in verse 4, where he says, do not greet anyone on the road. This speaks much for us in Africa. Because, you know, when I meet a friend like Richard here, who shake hands, who say, yes, Richard, how are you doing? I'm well. How is the family? How is the neighbor? Did that cow give birth? We give stories and stories. And Jesus, that was the Jewish culture. Jesus is saying, no, this is an emergency. No, no much talk, focus, zero in, aim, go for it, and bring in the harvest. The world harvest, even today, it's an emergency. 
It has a season and the Lord is calling us to go. And the harvest is ripe in Africa, including among politicians that we are seeking to reach out to and to lead into God's kingdom. I want to conclude with this picture. It's a picture of the, the acting president of Zimbabwe. By the time we did this national presidential prayer breakfast, which was one of the events in this leadership initiative. This is where during the mission we, we zero in as well on leaders. What I described earlier of everybody going is like the dragnet. Throw it and bring all the fish. But this is a forecast operation for the leadership. To the members of parliament. To the police chiefs. To those top 10% of the nation. Because we know the rot begins in the head. And that's a forecast mission. And that's one of the distinctives as African enterprise that we have. Throw the dragnet. But there are also missions where we focus to the leaders. And we are seeing them coming to Christ. The harvest is plenty and is ripe in Africa. And we want to thank you as a congregation and as friends, those who have stood with us over the years, and those who may be saying, yes, I'll be praying for you, I'll team up with you. We appreciate you as we bring in this limited time harvest in the continent of Africa. May the Lord bless you today. And once again, thank you for having us. And we are looking forward for, to journey with you. And those who are thinking of Africa, young and old, we usually say yes, short-term missions for the young, and even those who are young at heart. Jonathan and Johan were there for a mission, and they labored. They would be with us from early in the morning, at times to what we call, they did not participate in that, what we call night hunting, into the streets, into the pubs, into the bars, because how will the prostitutes here? Unless someone goes out at the time when they are out and shares the gospel with them. We thank you for being part of our journey. And we believe as we journey on, you will journey with us both in prayer and in any other means that the Lord would enable you. Could I say a prayer as I conclude? And as I pray, I will also just sing this song shortly that we sing in our missions, and then I'll conclude in prayer. If you believe, and I believe, and we together pray, the Holy Spirit will come down, and Africa will be saved. And Africa will be saved. And Africa will be saved. The Holy Spirit will come down. And Africa will be saved. Let's sing together with Australia. Australia will be saved. Australia will be saved.
the Holy Spirit will come down. Australia will be saved. And Africa will be saved, and Melbourne will be saved. Dear Lord Jesus, you are the Master. You are our Master. You are our Lord. We are your servants and hand handmaidens. We belong to you. You laid your life for us. And we thank you this evening as we even contemplate and reflect on the harvest that is in the world today. And Lord, we ask you to strengthen our hearts. We ask you, Lord, in our midst to move by your Spirit, convicting, convincing. So that where, Lord, there is an hesitation on the impressions that you've laid in our hearts by your Spirit, that those hesitations will be stopped and will be taken away. The Lord, where there is doubt in the various missions or mission-focused areas in this community as a congregation here, and even in the responsibility for world missions, I pray for this congregation that you may strengthen that resolve, that you may give courage to dare big things for you and to believe that to the ends of the earth, through your strength, the young people in this church, the seniors in this church, men and women, that they can all be even more part of your mission force into the nations of the world. So we speak your blessing today upon each one of us. Above all, we thank you that we know you as a Father, as a Savior. And I pray, Lord, that if there is anyone in our midst this evening that doubts as to their relationship with you, that you may convict and convince, and the Lord, they will make that decision to fully commit to you with the whole of their minds, hearts, heart, and everything that is within them. And so we thank you, Father, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, we do pray and believe. Amen.